Hello boys and ghouls, and welcome to episode number 13. In this episode, we partake in the ancient ritual of going to a video store. Listen in as we relate our experiences and memorialize the institution that was Blockbuster Video. You want to see something really scary? They come from the bowels of hell, a transformed race of walking dead. Zombies, exploding heads. Psychos, fanatics, murderers, nutcases. Now do we all agree that what we are dealing with is vampires? I know that one of you is a werewolf. Ain't nothing but dead folks. I want to kill you. The undead. You ever talk to a corpse? It's boring. Throw the third switch! Not the third switch! Give my creation Bye! Yeah, I know. Okay. She sang the title song. Oh! Uh, <laughs> I did not know. put up on Facebook. Hey there, I'm the monk. Or like, I'm in love with the monkey's uncle. And I wish I was a monkey's aunt. It's her and the Beach Boys. Wow, that's pretty funny. Kat, uh, you were on Megapodzilla, another podcast. I was on another podcast. Folks, if you just can't get enough of Kat, you can find her on episode number 63 of Megapodzilla. How did that happen? Well, I was on my way home from work, and I got a Facebook message from Crazy Joe over there at Megapodzilla. That's Crazy Joe with a K if you're going to look him up. If you're so inclined, go check them out like them on Facebook. I became friends with him a while back through you and through Megapodzilla. It's probably been over a year now. He and I have been friends on Facebook, but never spoken. Sure. And he messaged me and said, hey, uh, one of my co-hosts can't make it, but I really need to get an episode in the can. I've got, he had some interviews and people promoting things and really cool stuff and that he needed to get out there before the things that were going to be promoted had already passed. Sure. So he asked me if I was available. I was like, well, I'm going to be in the car because we'll call my Skype number. So I did. And we recorded an episode while I drove home. I didn't realize you were driving while giving this interview. Mm -hmm. That would explain a few pauses. Yeah, and you know, it's it. There, there was a little, you know, phone through the speakers of the car, so like you can't. Well, that's right. Uh, Kat has a magical car. I do, which recognizes her phone as soon as she sits in it. It's pretty cool. And then uh, she can just make phone calls by talking to her dashboard. It's the future. But we had a nice long conversation. It was a lot of fun. And during the course of the conversation, I found out that Heather Langenkamp has been on Megapodzilla twice. So you're in good company. I couldn't believe it. And I love her so much. And I went back and listened to one of her interviews already. I haven't listened to the other one. But it's, it's a fun podcast. It's a fun meeting of podcasters. A good crossover. Yeah. Like when the Charlie's Angels won the love boat. Exactly like that. Except with more horror. I steered it, of course, a little more toward horror because sure. um, that's kind of our wheelhouse. And yeah. that's what Boys and Whereas Megapodzilla just covers all manner of pop culture. That's right. The nerdier side of pop culture. So I'd exclude singing reality shows. Yeah. And more on the comic book movie. Absolutely. Side of things. Um, I, I'm a very busy person just like everyone else is these days. But I also want to fit in watching as many horror movies as I can. For lots of reasons. I love it. Kat, how will you fit in horror movies to your busy schedule? Well, Marshall, I've been watching horror movies while I'm on the elliptical at the gym. Okay. Um, on my phone. Streaming them on Netflix. 
That's, that's how the directors envision and, the audience right. to watch them. Well, and here's the thing. Like, obviously, if it's a really important horror film, and I mean, I'm going to sit down and devote, you know, my attention to it. But it keeps me coming back to the gym because I want to know what happens. And I'm not able to watch the whole film. I'm not sitting on the elliptical for an hour and a half. So oh, I'm watching it in seconds. This is your workout motivation? Yeah. So, like, 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 you won't just take it home and, like, watch it? No, I can only finish the movie while I'm, you know, if I go back. All right, well, what have you seen so far? So, well, I mean, this is just brand new, and I actually haven't even finished the movie yet. I have about a half an hour left. But the last two times I've been to the gym, I've been watching The Brain That Wouldn't Die, 1962, which I've never seen, but which my mother cited several months ago when I was talking to her about one of our other episodes as probably, I think it was uh, still scary about what you saw as a kid, and she yeah. said that movie when she saw that movie, it really, really scared her. This is the woman the has a, uh, just her head is being kept alive. Yes. Meanwhile, she's psychically connected to a monster in a closet. That's right. But wow. Surprisingly detailed memory you have there. Oh, well, once you've finished with that, try to get the mystery science theater version oh, of fun. The Brain That Wouldn't Die, which is very good. I bet it is. Uh, that's how I know the movie. I've never just sat down and watched it. Yeah. As is. Yeah. I've just watched it with Joel and the gang. It's good. I mean, Possibly you know... Mike and the gang. I have to say, I can see why a child... I mean, it was it's a little disturbing even for me. Because she's, please let me die. Like, she's miserable. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, God, that would be miserable. There is a randomly comedic... I can see why they would want to do a Mystery Science Theater. There's a scene where shortly after... Oh, they realize they only have 50 hours or so to attach a body. And so her fiancé, the mad surgeon, goes... In search of a body for her. And of course he goes to like a nightclub where there's ladies performing and he's ogling their bodies and goes to the dressing room with one of them. One of the other girls comes in and this other girl sees him too much so he decides he can't go through with it because she'll be able to ID him. Okay. But the two girls get into a fight. Cat fight? Quite literally. And he ends up leaving but then there, there's just a scene with them rolling around with their breasts almost falling out of their costumes. And it's supposed to be comedic. And it's really out of place because the rest of the movie is incredibly dark. Well, when you have a movie where the leading lady has no body from the neck down, you have to find sexy bodies elsewhere in the film. <sighs> I guess so. My favorite thing about it, though, and I'll leave it there, is right at the beginning of the film, the film opens with a surgery. And yeah. she comes in right after to the operating room. And they're alone and they kiss and she pulls away and she says, oh, when you kiss me, I just go out of my mind. <laughs> I, I really liked that line. So that's uh, The Brain That Wouldn't Die. 1962. 1962. Second generation enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. Good. I can't wait to finish it. I'll let you know after my next workout. <laughs> Do weather got some little monsters up tight? Make it a blockbuster night. Blockbuster has something for everyone. Even the fussiest little beasts settle down to enjoy blockbuster. I just love a family night. If the weather is a fright, make it a blockbuster night. Hey everybody, I'm Marshall Hicks. And I'm Kat Knipe. And here on Boys and Ghouls, uh, we took a little field trip. We decided to make it a blockbuster night. Uh, instead of watching our horror movie for the month through Netflix, or sometimes they're just on YouTube, or finding a way to download it, we decided to do it the old-fashioned way, by getting in a car and driving to Blockbuster. It doesn't sound like such a quaint thing to do, but really... 
does to me. <laughs> d- d- does to Kat and does to a lot of people. I don't think we really noticed when it all went away. Yeah. But the act of getting in your car, going to a store. And and not knowing what you wanted to rent, we went kind of cold. Yeah. We decided to pick it there. Just walking up and down the aisles, checking out the videos, buying a snack. Right now you are uh, eating some pretzel M&Ms that we purchased when we made this trip. I am. Um, Marshall, would you like to hear some stats about Blockbuster? Sure. Yes. Now, I, I, I have noticed that uh, in our area alone, we went from like four Blockbusters to one. So, so we went to that one yeah. that's still left. The first Blockbuster opened in October of 1985 in Dallas, Texas. All right. This kind of surprised me. I don't know why, but Blockbuster hit its peak in 2004. Does that make sense to you? Uh, well, I I think it just grew and grew and grew yeah. until the bottom fell out. Exactly. And at that point, they had... It wasn't a slow decline either. It was just like... No. Immediate. Um, in 2004, they had more than 9,000 stores. Now, it's down to about 500 as of 2013. That is considerably left in, less. Left in the United States, and I'm sure steadily declining. I mean, I've seen several close in just the last couple of years. They filed for bankruptcy in September of 2010, and the article I read cited poor strategic planning, mismanagement, and competition from other companies like Netflix as being the the reason for their monumental and sudden downfall. Now, I don't want to put all the focus on Blockbuster, but that's one that most people have had. That's a a shared experience. Yes. I mean, we're focusing on Blockbuster because that's actually kind of around, unlike Hollywood Video. Hollywood Video, I remember. Is that just gone? I haven't seen one in The one in Burbank's closed. Yeah, there was one in Koreatown right near where I live that has been closed for two or three years now. And then, like, small places, like mom and pop places. Oh, yeah, forget about it. Or I used to work for Video Update. That's, I'm sure those are just gone. I actually, a couple years ago, I was interviewed and quoted in the LA Times about Rocket Video. Closing. Rocket Video was one of like I, the big selection places to go for cinephiles. Absolutely. It was one of those stores that smelled a little funky. You could, so find, you knew, you could find more rare yeah. um, selections. I think I was, um, I'll have to find the article maybe and post it. But I'm described in the article as walking through the store clutching a copy of Pet Cemetery, which is exactly what I was doing. Hello, welcome to Blockbuster. Can I help you find something? I can't find Turner and Hooch. Where is Turner and Hooch? Oh, uh, I believe we have that over in the... uh... Oh, oh, I get it. Video stores are so old, they have ghosts in them. Going to Blockbuster specifically, but the okay. video store in general sure. was, you know, a big part of my childhood. I mean, I remember going, my my girlfriends and I would pile into my friend Amanda's mom's big green Cadillac and drive our little 16-year-old selves up to the Blockbuster. And we would get popcorn and we would have a sleepover with, like, sleeping bags. I mean, this was, we got so excited. Were you among those girls? No, I, I worked at two vi- uh, video stores in the late 90s, early 2000s. And young ladies would show up in their pajama pants. Oh, most With, with, with like, sort of like a flopsy-mopsy, yes. long sleeve sweatshirt. Yes. And then just, like, kitty cat PJs. Yep. And, like, that was okay. That's how you could go out at night. Absolutely. I mean, that was us Fridays and Saturdays. We were so excited. And a lot of the films that we would rent were horror movies. We've touched on this before, but there were a lot of horror movies that I watched purely because the covers were so... um, You drawn to them? Yeah. The covers were so effective 
in either scaring me, intriguing me. I wrote down a couple of them. Um, one of them was 1997's Canadian horror film Cube, which might also be classified as sci-fi in, in some ways. I recall the cover. Um, the cover, it? yeah. It was the bald guy. Yeah. And the, you could see it was, it was all black, but then the cube around him. And it just said at the top, fear, paranoia, suspicion, desperation. And my friend Amanda and I repeatedly rented that movie enough times we should have probably just bought it because we loved it so much. Um, D. Snyder's Strangeland. I recall. Do you remember the cover of this? Uh, it was 1998. Can you describe it to me? Because I bet you can. Is, isn't it him in profile in, in his, uh, what's considered his Captain Howdy tattoos? Um, there were a couple different covers. I think maybe he was. You'll remember this, I know, when I say it. There's a girl, and her mouth is sewn shut. I, I was thinking that, but that's also the cover for Mute. Oh, I So I was like, mute. is her mouth sewn shut? In Mute, her mouth is sewn shut, but the stitches form the word mute yeah I, well, did, they don't form the word strange land do no, they no, okay it's just sewn shut um another that actually i asked alec right off the cuff he had no time to think about it i was like what cover really scared you and he said jason goes to hell the sort of demon snake coming yes. out of the eye yes i recall um but all of uh, that for me i guess was just to say that i think horror films in my opinion more than any other genre depend depended at the time of the video rental era yeah. on having a really intriguing cover. And, um, and just being able to walk down that aisle yes, and sort of check them all out yes. and, and see what sort of calls to you. I, I recall three films that I, I would be intrigued and I'd read the back, but I was kind of too young. So I've actually never seen the following three movies. Oh, I'm excited. Well, I think that's why the covers still remain intriguing. Like the, the intriguing covers that I went and I saw the movie get a little less intriguing because uh-huh. I know what it's really all about. But the ones that remain intriguing, because I haven't gone and sort of broken the seal on it, are one, Chud. <laughs> I haven't seen that one either, but I know Cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers with <laughs> yeah. that pre-Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, just sort of like raised manhole with something yeah. peering out at you. And you read the back and it's like oh, a whole society affected by toxic waste. And now they're cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers. And Daniel Stern's in it. Really? I, I think. I didn't know that. Well, from a guy who hasn't watched it. <laughs> and that's when the chuds came at me. Uh-huh. Of course you'll have a bad impression of New York if you only focus on the pimps and the chuds. Another, very similar, the Ghoulies and Ghoulies 2 yep. poster. I remember the poster being up in the video store um, where they're in the toilet. Yeah. They're going to get you. Oh, that's terrifying. Ass first. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I have actually caught a little of that on cable, but a movie that I've never really gone back to watch, whose box I remember turning over several times to read the synopsis, was Relentless. I've never heard of this. It was Judd Nelson huh? from The Breakfast Club. The cover is him stabbing through a page of the phone book. Like the cover is like a page of the phone book with yeah. all its names. And he's behind it, stabbing his way through it. Does that mean he's killing every person on that page? No, but he would randomly oh. pick somebody. And from the back, I still remember, he applied to be a police officer, but got rejected for mental reasons. Oh, boy. And then to take it out on the police force, of which I think his dad was a member, he starts committing these totally random crimes to really baffle them. Huh. And he would like pick their names out of the phone book and give them a call and be like, I'm going to murder you. And then do it. I'd love to see Judd Nelson as a murderous psychopath. I guess I don't because I've certainly had the time. Yeah. Since like age nine or yeah. so when, when I first found the box to present when I've still never seen Relentless. Yeah. I think part of the common experience for especially people into horror films and people listening to us 
is that at different stages in your life, walk down the aisle of the video store. At first, when it's kind of like you're not allowed to rent any of those, but those boxes are just like... You can see the boxes. Probably just whatever you're imagining is going on in the movies. It's probably worse than the movies themselves. Sure. But they're just like charging your imagination and just <laughs> popping left and right of just like, what what could be going on there? Funhouse. Basket case. A, oh, basket case. <laughs> that was another rise. What's in the go. basket? And then sometimes there'd just be like boilers uh-huh. on, on the back of the box because they really want to sell it. So like what the movie keeps hidden for the first two acts, the back of the box will just show. It'll show you. Yeah. Hi, welcome to Blockbuster. Were you looking for something in particular? Yeah, well, you might say that. And expect this place to be so big. <laughs> That's what most people say when they first come in. Yeah. We've got thousands of videos in over 30 categories. No! <laughs> Would you like a Blockbuster membership? It's free. Yeah. And we can sign you up in no time at all. Okay. So, Kat, how is it outside of this little experiment where we almost like Civil War recreationists went back to a video (laughs) store to actually pick out a movie and rent it? How do you normally watch films? I stream on Netflix the vast majority of the time. I'm slowly building a Blu-ray collection of horror films. I have plenty on DVD, of course, but for the most part, I stream. Okay, I will be streaming at the end of May when Arrested Development comes to Netflix. But one thing that I don't like about the future of all streaming is I'm afraid what's going to become extinct is the commentary. Oh, yeah. The movie commentary. Now, there's a lot of movie commentaries out there that are just kind of bleh. Sure. That are just nothing really insightful or entertaining. Yeah. But there are some that are great. Some that are inspirational even. True. The Scream commentary. It's uh, Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson. Two intelligent people just talking about horror. Yeah, and, and they specifically, both speak very well on it. Yeah, specifically their horror movie, but horror in general. And, and the state of things, you know, for a good hour and a half. And it's like an excellent lecture. It is. That you're hearing. And it made me believe that, you know, horror was something I could write. And then I did. Before that, it was just like something I could watch, but like not be a participant in the world of horror. Yeah. And, and that commentary changed my mind on That's that. That's a great commentary. I can see why it would do that to you. So by and large, commentaries just live in the, well, now dead Laserdiscs and DVDs, which are kind of getting phased out now that um, streaming think... is becoming more and more popular. Yeah, I think people enjoy commentaries so much that I'm sure they will find a way for you to be able to rent something and have the option of for the commentary. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd just like to say a couple of my favorite commentaries for different reasons. Uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre commentary. You told me I, I need to hear this one. It's great. The story of making the movie is, if not more interesting than the actual movie itself. Because at at the end of that commentary, you just feel like dirty and gritty. Yeah, I bet. The, the condi- Hearing about being on set there. Yeah, the conditions they were filming in was, you know, Texas in August in an old farmhouse. With rotted meat everywhere, no one taking a shower. Yeah, and like the guy who played Grandpa had to keep the prosthetic on for like 26 hours. It was just a wreck. Uh, stories like that and more. Check it out if you haven't. Anything with Roger Corman. Um, does he do great commentary? He does. He's uh, very forthcoming. As well as... He'll get together with other filmmakers who got their start with him. My favorite is Roger Corman and Ron Howard uh, waxing on about movies in general, but in specific, Ron Howard's directorial debut, Grand Theft Auto. 
Wow. Which is just fun. It, it takes me to a warm place every time I hear it. Thank you for the suggestion. That's cool. Sure. Did I say Idle Hands? No. Oh, the movie's great. There's a commentary? There's a commentary. It's Seth Green. It's the director. Oh, fun. It's the I other guy. It was so much fun to make. Because I used to listen to that. Just, you know, when I'd be, you know, just doing something around the house. Cleaning I'd just, the room. Just pop that one Clean. in. For me, house cleaning is the perfect time for DVD commentary. I right. love it. Now, it is also one of those things that I can't imagine sitting down with another person and just listening to a commentary. Yeah. No, that's a solitary yeah. act. That's just weird to me for, I, so, for no, some reason. Agreed. Okay, totally. good. <laughs> another uh, a use for commentaries is the late Roger Ebert, who oh. just died slightly before the recording of this podcast, and his voice machine. You're familiar with that? Yes. They tried to go back and get samples of his voice from episodes of at the movies i remember hearing about this but so that his voice machine would be would sound like him voice yeah but all of the audio from that was a little muddy and it would be kind of like over clips of movies or being you know interrupted by gene yeah so for some good clean audio they went to the five commentaries that he's done two of which i own citizen kane he has a commentary oh. casablanca he has a commentary the movie that he wrote beyond the valley of the dolls he has one this is my happening and it freaks me out. He has one for a Japanese film and random Dark City. Huh. Roger Ebert loved Dark City. And when it came time to put it out on DVD, they tapped him and said, hey, want to talk about it for like two hours? And he sure did. Wow. So some of what you hear in Dark City got kind of spliced up and fed into this computer that would then replicate his voice for the last, like what, three years of his life? Yeah. Pretty um tremendous. That's amazing. Piece of science there. Speaking of Roger Ebert, who, by the way, has been such a go-to for me for a long time, just like everybody else. I mean, sure. I always want to know. I don't always agree with him. Like, I know, actually, we mentioned Roger Ebert before on our Vengeance is Mine episode yeah. of our podcast, where I talked about the fact that he gave I Spit on Your Grave no stars. He wouldn't give it a star because he hated it so much. I did find a list of a couple of horror films that Roger Ebert did like. Oh, go on. Evil Dead 2. He okay. gave three stars to, and he said, quote, The violence and gore are carried to such an extreme that they stop being disgusting and become surrealistic. He also said, The grubby, low-budget intensity of the film gives it a lovable quality that high-tech movies wouldn't have. Which I think hits the nail right on the head for Evil Dead 2. I mean, I agree with him wholeheartedly on that. So, while I've noticed Roger Ebert was not a fan of, of gore in general, if sure. it either really, truly served the action, or was so overblown and outrageous that it was clearly, at least in part, supposed to be comedic or surrealistic or whatever, he could appreciate it for, for that quality as well. Um, Fright Night. The original Fright Night. Oh. He said, not a distinguished movie, but it has a lot of fun being undistinguished, which I think is pretty accurate. Well put. He really liked Wes Craven's new Nightmare. I say really liked. He gave it three stars. He really appreciated it. He thought it was pretty unique. It hadn't really been done before. Okay, I have three more. Okay. Bubba Hotep. Delightful. Reanimator. Ah. And this one was the most surprising to me that he actually gave three stars to. I would have expected zero to one from Roger Ebert. The Devil's Rejects. He gave that really? three stars. <laughs> I'm completely shocked. Did he say why? Or like, um, like, well... I think part of his criteria was, does it achieve what it set out to do? Precisely. And he talked about the fact that as far as a genre film goes... Mm -hmm. This is completely appropriate to the genre. I spend a lot of my Saturday matinees watching science fiction movies and serials and having a great time of being stimulated and having my imagination stimulated and having 
Uh, all sorts of visions take place in my mind that help me to become an adult and to still say young at heart. Okay, so when we uh, we took our field trip to the Blockbuster, the rule we set down was, well, one, horror. It's a horror movie podcast. Yeah. And we wanted it to be a movie that neither of us had seen. Yep. Uh, so we started in A and worked our way down. Um, what did we find along the way? There were there were a lot of straight-to-DVD. You and I noticed, yes, a lot of found footage, also a lot of torture porn. But yeah. I would say the tide has turned. It's shifted a bit more toward the found footage and a little bit more away from, in my opinion, the torture movies. And, and both, I think, are just the result of economy. Yeah. You know? it's Oh, yeah, it's much cheaper. A, a torture movie is often just two people in a closed-off set. You don't need extras. You don't need to hire cars. You don't need much in the way of stuntmen or explosions or rain machines or, you know, a lot of the things that make a movie expensive get cut down when it's just two people and, like, a pair of pliers. Just comparing the two, the um, what's been given the title torture porn, if that's fair or not, right. that's a separate debate. Sure. But the torture-heavy films, mm-hmm. torture-centric versus the found footage, what's good about the found footage is they can go out and get uh, production value. They can go out and just uh, run and gun. They can get like a train. Yeah. And plus, in places where permits are a big deal, you know, if you're just running around with uh, essentially a home movie camera, yeah, no one's going to be like, hey, you can't film your movie here. You don't have a permit. It's like, what? No, we're just college students out having a good time. We're just playing Frisbee. <laughs> uh, paid no attention to that. Uh, we're not wearing shirts with trademarks on them or uh, copywritten <laughs> images. Yeah. So that, that is certainly a, a freedom and, and something that found footage movies have up on the popular torture porn. Absolutely. On, on the blockbuster walls. Right. Okay, here's the deal. we got to break into this house, and all we have to do is steal this one VHS tape. So we made our way all the way to the end of the alphabet, and we reached V, and we rented... VHS? VHS, the movie. For those of you who don't know it, we're not referring to an actual VHS tape. Those haven't been in Blockbuster for a while. Uh, VHS, the 2012 anthological, I guess you would call it, or just footage film. Anthological? Uh, nope, I like my word. Okay. It's anthological. But yeah, it's it's uh, as, as you so eloquently put it, right at the start of the film when we saw the kind of frame narrative that was beginning this story, you said, wait, a found footage film about found footage films? <laughs> and I was like... Good point. Yeah. It's an anthology in the same way that the Creepshow films were or Tales from the Dark Side. Uh-huh. And then there was what I think this one's wraparound is most similar to, which is Tales from the Hood. Oh, my God. Yes. I did see that once. It's been so long, though. A, a small gaggle of hoodlums are drawn to a mysterious house. That's right. Yeah, in, in both cases. In VHS, they're just a bunch of scumbags who like break into houses and vandalize them and go up to women and just like expose them for the camera and then sell it to the internet. Ugh. And then they get told that they're given like a mission. They're like, go to this house and find this, this, one, this VHS one VHS tape. tape. Yeah. And they get there and there's lots of VHS tapes. A whole lot. So they get split up into this creepy house. They find a, a dead man sitting in a chair in front of just like a bank of TVs. Some of which are like on the blue screen. Some of which are playing snow. Yeah. Yeah. Really altogether so, creepy image. Before I walk away completely from the tales from the hood. I was going to ask you, is do they go in and it's a funeral parlor? It's, it's a funeral doing? parlor. Yes. Now this is all new to me. I'm not a drug dealer. I'm a mortician. And then while they're in the, this creepy home, 
in both cases, they are treated to a handful of stories. Yeah, the creepy, like, mortician. Yeah. Wow, maybe I did see that more than once. And the hoodlums in Tales from the Hood, spoiler, and the hoodlums for VHS, double spoiler, both meet a bad end. Yeah. By the time they've heard the tales. I never would have connected VHS with Tales from the Hood. I'm so glad you did. So... Each of the movies within the movies, they just find all these VHS tapes, so a couple of the characters will put them into the VCRs. Paying no mind to the fact that the dead man in the chair is just rotting right behind them. Yeah. These guys are just kind of unsavory. When they get their comeuppance, nobody cares. No one cares. I mean, you can care as far as going like, huh, good. Yeah. But. Absolutely. I mean, these are just, ugh, whatever. I could go on about that. So. So you want to talk about the first tape they watch? First, first of four. There's four, which is nice because usually there's three. And then you get a little something. There are five. Five? There are five. There's five, which is nice because usually there's three. Yeah. And then you get two extra somethings. <laughs> exactly. I kind of wrote down as we were watching yeah. the movie. Because we watched this one, by the way, listeners. We watched this film together after our trip to Blockbuster. Con- continuing the Blockbuster night. Yes. One takes home the video and puts it in and watches it but as we were watching it i was writing down kind of my own names for the segments i've since looked them up they have their own names it was really fun to look them up and see what the names of the segments were versus what i wrote down which the first video i wrote down the wraparound was called the wraparound being the story that they keep going back to to tie everything together yep uh was called tape 56 and then the very first vhs that is watched is called amateur night amateur night which which i wrote down i like you yeah, I, I, I believe that is the best of them. And especially going back, it's even better. It's pretty great. When it starts, you think that these guys in the video are really no different than the hoodlums in the house. Oh, okay. We open on a group of guys, rabble rousers, if you will. One of whom is looking at porn on his phone while driving. Not if safe. If that doesn't... T- that's a double whammy. If that doesn't tell you what kind of buttheads these guys are. Three friends in, I think, Atlanta. Uh, they're going around and they decide to try to like make their own sex tape. Yeah. By giving one of the characters glasses that have a camera inside of it. The only character that you might feel much of anything for. Because he's, he's reluctant. I mean, he doesn't not do it. Sure. But he's reluctant to wear these glasses. But, he, you know, they... He like, looks a bit nerdier than he probably actually he is. Like because those aren't his glasses. No, they're not. When you think about it, because they're kind of like big glasses that kind of denote that like he's the square peg. Yeah. But then when I think about it, no, the only reason he's wearing those glasses is because he he's the camera. Sure. And any shots where you see him looking in the mirror were actually taken from a glasses cam. Which I thought was nice. The rest of the time they used a helmet cam. Oh, did I mention I went back and listened to the commentary? Oh, great. No, you didn't. I'm an, I'm an expert now. Great. I can't wait to in, hear In more. all things VHS. And they hit the town to go find girls to bring back to the to hotel. Their hotel room to have sex with them while he watches on his glasses cam. I mean, I feel so much ick. Things take a, um, a dangerous horror movie type turn yeah. toward the supernatural. So yeah. our, our first look at the supernatural comes... When this girl at the bar who's got like kind of wide eyes, beautiful doe eyes, looks a little out of place. And when you go back and watch it again, you can kind of see her at first in the corner. Yeah. Like, like it'll just kind of pan across the room and she'll be watching the guy with the glasses. And then she just says like, I like you. I like you. And the only other time she really says anything besides I like you is when she's repeating something someone else says, which is, when you really think about it, really unnerving. The way it was described in the commentary is that she just like picked up this phrase of human mating. And oh. I say human mating yeah. because uh, she's alert. not human. Nope. <laughs> 
I mean, as far as we know, the way this could all go is the three guys wind up murdering a girl in the hotel room and we're going to watch. Sure. That's the much more grounded kind of typical. And and, and what the first segment would sort of lead you to be think it's going toward. When switcheroo, they're taking off her dress and they're just sort of like following the dress down and then down to her feet. And it's like gargoyle feet. You get a really brief but solid glimpse of her gnarled, scaly. Oh, God. That was truly disturbing. And then the guy with the glasses cam is like, dude, come over here and look at this. And of course, everybody's drunk and no one's paying attention. And you're like, really drunk by this point. Uh oh, something's about to go down. And so things go from bad to worse with that girl. Yeah. And she becomes a succubus. I was going to use that word. There was something, I have to say, I understand that there are a lot of things wrong with the depiction of women in especially horror films with regard to the fact that there's always female nudity and virtually never male nudity and all of that. So this woman is fully nude, but in my opinion, there's so much gratuitous nudity in a lot of horror films that I think is completely, well, gratuitous. In this situation, this woman just completely nude, writhing, when, you know, she turns right into the succubus with this horrible gaping mouth and... Sharp um, teeth. It's kind of this beautiful, like, strong moment where you're like, yeah, hell yeah, these guys are going to get what they deserve. (laughs) And it's not just female nudity in this scene, is it? And through the movie, actually. Through the different directors who didn't have much communication with each other. Which is pretty surprising. There's a, a goodly amount of male nudity. Some of it, like, by one of the directors. Full frontal. I um, mean, you yeah, see... Yeah, with, with that guy, yeah. Yeah. Who, who, who runs into the bathroom uh, frightened and is like, she bit me! Yeah. As things go from bad to worse. So, yeah, she basically tears the two guys apart. The and... one with the glasses cam manages to, to flee, but then gets injured. She catches up with him. I do want, want to go all the way to the ending of this tale because... It was a great one. How I thought it ended, I, I went back and rewatched and realized it was different than what I thought it was. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how you saw it. Okay. Which is, he runs from her. She catches up with him. She gets disappointed because... that, that, that he's not into her. <laughs> that was a very diplomatic way to put it, yes. Yeah. She's like, not like me. Yeah. He can't get it up. Yeah. No, no wonder. wonder. He's got like bones sticking out of his wrist because he fell down the steps. Yeah. By the way, if you haven't seen this movie, be prepared. Every single segment, barring maybe one, is full of in some of the goriest scene ever. And I heard one of their rules is no digital blood. Wow. Which I didn't know was such a, a problem in horror movies <laughs> that you'd have to make a rule of it. Like I see it from time to time. Hmm. Digital blood. And it's always like, eh, that's could have been better. But I guess digital blood is not yet to the point where it can just seamlessly step into the movie. Mm. Um, so you were talking about the end oh, the, of the, the very, segment. It ends. He's you know running through the hotel parking lot looking for help. Banging and then, on windows. And then just gets lifted up. Right. And you see a little bit of what's lifting him up. And you see just the, the town below him. And then he, you know up and up. And it's just supposed to be the glasses cam. So the, the it's not very clear. And then fall back down to earth and what i thought had happened was out of spite the succubus picked him up flew him up to the clouds Mm -hmm. and then just dropped him and Mm -hmm. went like how do you like that now yeah what i now realize having seen it a second time is no his glasses fell off the glasses cam went down and just landed in the street making the footage available then to be put onto a vhs and show up in this creepy old house Mm -hmm. and when it lands it's just sort of like clatter clatter and there's like people on the other side of the street. And none of them, oh, yeah. none of them are like, yeah. oh my God, a, a person just fell. Which means that that character, we don't know what happened to him. Nope. And it's like, did she take him to some kind of mountain nest? Did she take him up and then just like kill him at 3,000 yeah, feet? Yeah. Uh, did she go back to the cloud she lives on? 
I don't know. At one point, like you said, he looks up and sees this like winged creature carrying him off into the sky. And really, I am just still so struck by the place that segment starts and the place it ends. Yeah. You just don't see it coming. It's so fun to go so, from just your, I mean, there's nothing more quotidian than like some drunk buttheads going out to a bar and like drinking and yeah. picking up girls and, you know. You, like, you can't understand half of what they say, by right. the way, and you really don't need to. No. It's like nothing they're saying is important, but we get it. The, the next segment, because you're like, oh, okay, so now Supernatural, that's on the table. Although I thought the first one was the best. The biggest scare was in the second one. Oh, I'd call it a scare slash just guttural shock. I mean, good God. Speaking of gore, we'll get there. Oh, I wasn't referring to the gore. Oh. But just the, um, it's a couple that's on their second honeymoon and... There's a weird hitchhiker who would come to the door. Ask for a ride. And ask for a ride. And kind day. of unnerved the, the, the man of the couple. Yeah. And then you see the door get locked. And then you see the, the video camera that they've been you know using on their trip get picked up. And you see the guy. So you're like, oh. It's, She's filming him. It's his, it's his wife filming him. And then it sort of pans over to the right. And it's his wife in bed. That's a pretty. That was a pretty Which means intense, something got through the locks. It's a pretty intense scare. And you kind of know it's coming. And you're like, I think. I think that's what's going to happen. And then it does happen. Yeah. And you're you're not disappointed in the movie for being predictable. Right. You're with the movie. You're with it. And you're like, yes, that is exactly the scariest thing that could happen right now. And I wanted it to somewhere yeah. deep down. So because of the last segment, you think it's supernatural. Right. But then the twist on this one is it's not supernatural. No. And if you're okay with it, I'll just leave that twist yeah, we'll Alone. leave it. Honestly, I, I'm not sure I want to talk about it. That that moment has haunted me since I saw it. It was pretty intense. Segment three was called Tuesday the 17th, which I think is really fun. This one's a bunch of screwballs go to a lake and none of them get out alive. I actually like this segment the least. I'll be honest. I basically understood what was going on, but it was very confusing to me. There was sort of an element where you could see the killer if you were looking through the video camera. Like, yeah. the characters couldn't see him otherwise. He was pixelated. I'm like, is he a ghost? Is he a ghost in the machine? What is this? There's enough of a twist to make it interesting. Yeah. But if they wanted to go down to just three stories, that's one that I would have cut. I would have too. And this one managed to be extremely gory as well. What was the uh, the next one? Next one was... Oh, I liked the title of this one. I just wrote down Skype. Because it was a girl and her medical school boyfriend Skyping. And that's how we are seeing the footage. But it's actually called The Sick Thing That Happened to Emily When She Was Younger. Which they only hint at and never really get into. Well, the sick thing that happened to her was identical to the thing that's happening now in this segment. Okay. You just don't know it until the end of the... And I guess I won't spoil this one either. Needless to say, they switch subgenres on us again. Yet again. Not Supernatural. Not so much. And that's as much as I'll say. Not ghosts. You think it's ghosts, not ghosts. In talking about this segment, I would like to say that it was filmed with an actual Skype. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. And they would try different ways to like simulate Skype and nothing worked like actual Skype. Amazing. Especially like like the delay in lighting. Oh, yeah. When she goes, she carries the laptop with her from a light room to a dark room. You can see the light on his face on a slight delay get diminished as she goes into a dark room because right. he's being lit by the monitor. Uh-huh. Or when she takes photos, you can see flash and it's flashing up her room. Yes. And that then, was particularly suspenseful. And then with a delay, flash. Yep. Himself. 
that was a good one good blend uh, a couple of funny moments just enough to diffuse like the scary moments before it gets back into it right and a decent twist and an extremely gory moment i can't stress this enough i did not expect with it being the found footage for the gore effects to be so prevalent and so unnerving and i i can usually handle most of it, but this movie was really visceral for me it was pretty hard to watch in certain moments um what's was- the next one the next segment was called 103198. Takes place on Halloween night. This, this was a fun one. They went out on This is the last segment, by the way. Kind of a, a fun bit. Now by this point the wraparound has actually wrapped up. Yes. Which I didn't expect because usually anthologies It's at the end. The wraparound gets the last word. But this one has wrapped up with everybody in the house just kind of disappears one at a time. And then the last one finds another one of them headless and turns out the guy who was dead. And I'll just stop there. Yeah. Because we've been we've been spoiling stuff left and right. Totally. Why uh, why just go down the list? But this this the last Halloween one. segment, um, I this one was right up there for me as far as one of one of my favorites. I thought this one was really fun. And part of what it made it fun right off the bat for me is the problem with found footage movies is the big jump in believability of why are they still holding the camera? Yeah. Why don't they just drop it and, and go for it? Sometimes um, I know this came in with Cloverfield. They needed the 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 night vision uh-huh. setting. Like to see in the dark. That's a good excuse. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm always taken out of it if there's not a good enough excuse. Um, the, the Skype one was her way of not being alone. Yep. You know, when Which, she investigated I mean, strange noises. I mean, it's totally believable to me. Yeah. Glasses cam. All right. And then but this one, the 10-31-98, was you see a guy, you're seeing his point of view. He looks in the mirror. He has a big, heavy teddy, teddy bear. bear outfit on. And then he says, uh, like, to his roommate, and it's like, what are you? I'm a nanny cam. Genius. So he's a teddy bear with a camera inside Points of it. Points for having a real camera, you know. Yeah. And so th- this guy's way of being a nanny cam is that he's actually going to record his whole night as a nanny cam. Yeah. So I think that's pretty clever. Whatever he does all night just gets recorded as a matter of course. Lucky for us. Because so, we see he and his friends go. They're in, they like, get a little lost. Hollywood. I mean, they mentioned the 134. And then they make their way to... Well, actually, the house that they used was in Altadena. Oh, good to know. It was called the Woodbury Historic Estate, used for filming. I'm not surprised, because it's a, it's a very unique-looking house. It's not the only uh, spooky movie to have a mystery set in it. Oh. If you include the Scooby-Doo Triple X parody. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, They let them film a triple X parody and a historic site. I guess, you know, if you come up with the money. So they go through the house and they should have left a long time ago because like there's nobody in the first room they go into and there's nobody in the second room they go into. It turns out they had their address wrong. Uh But then they hear what sounds like could be like a DJ up in like the attic. And then they, the, what, three or four of them, one dresses a Unabomber, the other's a pirate, one's a soldier. And, and then you got the nanny cam and they go up. Which by the way, along the way, before they hear these noises coming from upstairs, there are a couple of moments where you do see a thing or two. Yes. Yeah, so they'll out be of like, the corner of your oh, eye. out of the corner of your eye. And then like, there's a part where like three of the characters come running out and they go, oh man, they've got this crazy setup where it looks like hands are reaching out of the walls to come and grab you. And they just think it's probably the best Halloween party ever. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, they don't stop to say like no streamers, no balloons, but this elaborate hand grab thing has been set up for their amusement. But they hear their noise. They go up to the attic. They check it out where what I'm guessing is an exorcism is being performed. Um, or some, to me, I, I interpreted it as like a demon back to hell. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I, maybe I was just, 
ready for it to be more negative than that. It seemed to me like they were doing some kind of a ritual and sacrificing the poor girl. Maybe not, though. Well, I, see I think that's way. what we were supposed to think. That oh, but then... Because the guys run for it once the guy's doing the sacrifice, let's call it. What you think, yeah. uh, Start just, like, flying to the rafters and... Yeah. Then furniture starts moving. And hands come out of the walls. Hands come out of the walls. So they run for it. But then they say, like, the first decent fellas, you might say, in the yeah. movie were saved for last. And they say, we got to go back and rescue the girl. Which I want to back it up for just one second. When they yeah. first go up to see the stuff that's going on, What one of my favorite moments in it is that they start chanting along with the Oh, yeah. They, they think chanting. it's like they're a... Like, a ho- yeah. a, like a Halloween game. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, cast it from her, the soul or whatever. And they, they're like chanting right along. And that's when the people notice them. But yeah, you're right. They yeah. run downstairs. Two of the guys are like, we can't leave her here, which I thought was really great. So then they go back. They go back up battling the haunted house and the exorcists. I'll call them. Yeah, sort of like sure. redneck looking exorcists. Yeah. They um, get the girl. They save the girl. Credited only as the girl. Don't you know this girl? I know her uh, some. We've shared a day job. Yeah. She's my Facebook friend, and I, I sent her, like, um, some questions, and she just got back to me, like, two hours ago. Oh. But I told her that the deadline was, like, two days ago when we were originally going to do this podcast. Yeah. So she's like, sorry, let me know if there's anything I can do. So I was like, as a matter of fact, you can still answer the questions, and maybe I'll try to slip them in next episode or... Great. Whatever. So if I'm going to edit something in, maybe I'll do it, like, right now. Great. Right now. Perfect. Or if I didn't get a response, then no. Then we're just going to continue. Uh, so, so they rescue her. They yeah. And then... The house is closing up around them. Yeah. Which is really creepy. And what I guess we haven't really talked about yet is when special effects happen in a found footage film, yeah. they're extra effective because of the medium. You're not used to seeing anything truly bizarre happening in a home video. Absolutely. So when I guess... I think, well, the first makeup effect was way back with like the girl's feet. Yeah. Back, back in that one. And then they fly off the bed, which was like a little bit of wire work. Yes. And wire work and home video really don't go together. No. So when you see it, it's extra. Particularly unsettling. Unsettling, I yeah. Agree. Whereas if it was in a, just a big budget movie, it would have been like, yeah, wire work. Yeah. Meh. Yeah. So in this one, um, they get her out of the house, finally. They have to go through the basement, which feels like a terrible idea. But it works. They it, get out of the house. They get in the car. They're going away with her. She's, She's not really crying. saying much, but crying. Yeah. Oh, did I say your name yet? No. Nicole Herb. Hey, Nicole Herb. Check out Nicole Herb in, in the final segment. Of... She was good. I believed her. She's quite stressed about the situation. Yeah. No, no one could blame her. But then, like, she disappears from the car. Completely and, and, and the car dies. And they're like, where is she? She's outside the car. Right in front of the car. Now yeah. looking all menacing. And then there's some ravens. And then she disappears. In time for them to realize that their car has died on the train tracks. Oh, boy. This seemed to be really unsettling for you. You you got really squirmy. I mean, it made me nervous. Well, it's supposed to make you nervous, obviously. If you're were, stuck on yeah. a train track and you can't get the car door open, you know you're going to die. Yes, I'm, I'm not suggesting it's an easy thing to watch. But you seemed really uncomfortable. I actually think I even wrote down, train tracks really get Marshall. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah. train tracks. Yeah. I think they speak for themselves. Now there is, if you get the DVD, there's an alternate ending, which oh. is just them getting out of the car. Oh. They get out of the car, their car gets destroyed, and they have a good laugh about it all. And How could you have a good laugh The about whole that? thing turns, and it's a satisfying ending, but really just sort of jumps tone. Totally. And they're like, oh man, that was something. Hey, by the way, I know where the real party is. Let's go there. And because it ended up, that's why they made it last, and then they took away the up ending. 
But even with that gone, it was still more fun than the others. Yes. Patrick, what is it? Where are you going? I've got to return some videotapes. So our video rental experience continues, at least for me. I, I was one um, who returned the video to Blockbuster. Yes. And in doing so, performed one of the great blunders of renting videos, which is I got all the way there. I'm about to put it in the drop slot. I open it up just to check, open up the case, and I had left the disc no! in the DVD player. And that's probably one of the things that gets pointed to when you're trying to sell like streaming, which is like no late fees, no getting all the way there and realizing you just wasted your trip. Which you wouldn't do with a VHS, I can imagine, because those are heavier. Well, so you'd kind of know if you're holding an empty VHS case yes and versus no. DVD case. When I worked at a video store, if people rented more than one, oh, sometimes four of them in your hand. Yeah, one of them would oh, be empty when they returned them. Wow. Well, I hate that must have been really frustrating for you. Oh, for me, yeah. To get there and I was just like, "No!" And then <laughs> classic. <laughs> you got to smile to yourself. But, you know, that's all part of the experience, I think. Sure. <laughs> we will miss it. Yeah. Sir. What? Are either one of these any good? I don't watch movies. Well, have you heard anything about either one of them? I find it's best to stay out of other people's affairs. You mean you haven't heard anybody say anything about either one of these? Nope. Well, what about these two? Oh, they suck. My favorite customer ever uh, was this little girl who I'm guessing was 11, who came up to me. Her mom, we, there was a hairdresser's next door, and her mom was at the hairdresser's, and she came over to the video store to, to get a movie. And she just kind of looks up at me from the counter, and she goes, I want to rent a horror movie, but my mom won't let me get anything rated R. I put up the like, next window, please, at the counter. And I was like, come with me. Aw, cute. And I didn't want to just like lead her right to the blood. So I stopped off at Gremlins. Yeah. And I was like, how about this? They're kind of scary. Little monsters. Little scary monsters on Christmas. Gremlins are pretty scary. And she pretty much just rolled her eyes at me. (gasps) And she was like, uh. And then, so I I had the movie in mind. I was like, I know what's rated PG-13 that she can rent. And I will send her home with it. But first I have to convince her. That her options this are slim. This is an art. Yeah. So I took her down and just showed her how many were rated R. And it was, you know, all of them mm-hmm. pretty much are rated R. Except for like, you know, classic Dracula Wolfman type of stuff. Sure. The brain that wouldn't die. I knew I couldn't send her away with anything before the 80s. Because mm-hmm. that just would have been old and dumb. But around Halloween time, we would just play horror movies all the time. And none of them were rated R. We'd play Hammer Horror R Films in the, in the, in the store. store. Yeah. That was my big exposure to Hammer Horror and, you know, the classic horror, the Universal Monsters. We'd play all of them and we'd play the great old B-movies and yeah. and stuff like that. So, yeah, there's plenty that's not rated R. But for this girl's, to keep her attention, I had to show her just how slim her pickings were. And then I said, okay, now we've got a movie. We don't have the box for it, but I can get it for you. Oh, boy. It's called The Gate. Well played. And I was just about to say it. I knew that was where you were going. The Gate is that rated. That scared that bejeebers out of me when I was a kid. Yeah. I'm like, it's rated PG-13. She's like, is it any good? And I'm like, there's a scene where a guy gets stabbed in the eye with a Barbie doll. And she was like, I'll take it. <laughs> That's great. And I got to see her back in the store like like five days later Uh-oh. returning the movie w- with her mom. And I was like, how'd you like it? And she's like, I like that part with the Barbie doll. <laughs> Well played, sir. Yeah. 
Okay, have this back Saturday night before midnight. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Oh, hi, Kristen. How's it going? My little brother Spike has a birthday coming up. He's a regular Star Trek maniac. He wears Spock ears to school and everything. But if I only knew which show he wanted, I could buy it for him now. Hey, why don't you rent a tape now and then see if he mentions one of his favorite episodes to you? Oh, geez, that's a great idea. <laughs> now I don't have to give him a Vulcan mind nut or something. <laughs> it feels like putting a lot on the video store, but there was a sense of community mm-hmm. that will drop off as we move in, into streaming and Redbox even. Yeah. People knew that they could like call us, like if, they, if there was the name of a movie they were trying to think of. They would just call us up and not even necessarily rent it, but just be like, ring. Hey, what's the name of the movie with a guy and he's a cowboy, but then he's not. And then, you know, now there's the internet for that. Now there's the internet. We've already been diminished in that sense. Yeah. One time a guy called and he's like, ring movies unlimited. Hey, is, uh, is Ned Beatty dead? No. And they just hear him like yell, like I told you (laughs) and hang up. I was like, Oh God, it could be of service. Well, there was also this sense. We, We were considered the experts though. That's beautiful. You know, like, but they people just knew you knew. People knew, like, we were those guys at the store that knew all the stuff. And not to mention the community aspect of perusing the covers and running into someone like you don't know who's like that movie was yeah. great. Right. You know, I know that there, I, undoubtedly, there were movies that I rented because someone else who, who I didn't know was there and was like, this movie was great. And sometimes it worked out, and sometimes it didn't. And actually, just a couple weeks ago, I was passing by a red box in the grocery store, and there was a guy searching through titles, and I, for the life of me, can't remember what it was, but whatever it was, I had just seen it. He just jumped into his business? And I was like, that's great. You're going to really like that. And he kind of looked at me like I was crazy. I'm like, it's okay to talk to people in public, you know? Um, I'm interfacing with a computer here, ma'am. Right. I'd appreciate you I'm stepping away. I'm busy trying to do my business. But yeah. Well, also at the video store, you would know when the local school announced what it was having auditions for, for its school play. Mm-hmm. Because all of a sudden, all these kids want to rent Carousel. Oh, boy. And you only have. I only had the one. The but one th- th- Then we're starting to sell copies of Carousel. <laughs> and we would have a waiting list if something was in demand. And the two biggest waiting lists I can remember... There was a jailbreak. A notorious murderer escaped from prison and was on the loose for a few months oh, in the Pennsylvania area. They had made a movie about his exploits called At Close Range, a pretty darn good movie with Christopher Walken. It sounds familiar. Sean Penn and Chris Penn about like a, a ring of farm equipment thieves, which then turns deadly as like the father starts killing off. Like anybody who could get him in jail. Yeah. And then he did go to jail. Then he escaped from jail. And then everybody wanted to rent at close range. That's great. So we had this giant waiting list for it. Uh, He was uh, recaptured and is back in jail. Good. Phew. When kids would have to write a report. Oh. They're all calling in for like. Yeah. I remember Great Expectations was one. And then we had the Ethan Hawke Great Expectations. And you'd have to tell the kids like you can watch it and get like the broad strokes. But this isn't really going to, like, help you write an essay. No. I was never that kid, but I knew... Uh, my my high school boyfriend worked in the local video store. Oh. And I would, you know, I mean, after school, like, I'd, I'd go bring him fast food. We'd hang out. So I spent a lot of time in the video store. But I remember there being a run on movies like that when people had to write papers. Here's a detail that's probably going to get lost as a footnote of a footnote of history. But after 9-11, people got really into Nostradamus. Yeah, I for remember. For like a couple of weeks. I remember that. And 
over in the video store, we had like two tapes about Nostradamus's predictions. And we stopped taking reservations. There were just too many? Too many. We just had like this long list of people who wanted to watch the Nostradamus tape. And what I'd say from that experience is just this observation of when things get really crazy, folks turn to witchcraft. Totally. And sorcery. Yeah. Apparently. Absolutely. It's the mob mentality. You know, you need to find that. I don't Just get answers. Yeah. Uh, I guess press conferences were only doing so much. Yeah. Anyways. And it feels, I guess, in some sense, comforting to be able to blame it on something like that or or find what's the next thing going to be. It was like, listen, Orson Welles warned us. <laughs> yeah. he, he was he was the narrator of one of them. Oh, fun. I also worked in a Halloween store during that time, which, had, <gasps> which was affected in its own way. Yeah. This may appear to be a videotape, but it's a first-class ticket to a great escape. Take a journey to where the tropical sun shines. Just take a trip on video airlines. Now turn the knob on your TV set. It'll send you faster than a turbojet from your living room to where a friendly Martian dies. Just take a trip on video airlines. All right, hey there, cat. Uh, I think we have done a good walk down memory lane as well as brought the people a little something about just one of the many titles still available at those video stores that still exist. Yeah. I mean, you know, just a few short years from now, I'm sure we'll be reminiscing about, remember when we used to stream movies instead of watching them on the backs of our eyelids or whatever <laughs> we're going to be doing in 10 to 20 years. Jacking in like Johnny Mnemonic. Yeah. I could have said the matrix. Nope. I went another way. You did, but still Keanu Reeves. Still Keanu Reeves. All right. <laughs> on that, let me uh, ask you folks to, uh, Drop us a line if you liked anything we talked about or have suggestions for future episodes. You can write to us at boysandghouls at gmail.com. And if you've burned through all of our episodes and just need more, check out our episode graveyard at MySpace, presently containing two now-in-the-vault episodes. Please like us on Facebook. At the time of this recording, we're almost up to 150 likes. Hey. We could use some more. Swing around and be uh, number 151. We post a lot of fun stuff. We're also heavily present on Tumblr. And Twitter. And Twitter. Boys and Ghouls at Twitter. And a new development. Oh. We have now a Boys and Ghouls YouTube channel. Kat's taking the reins on this one, which is exciting because I am knocking myself out on our Pinterest page. Yeah. So. Yeah, people love us on Pinterest. But yeah, please keep a lookout. Go check out our YouTube channel. Right now there's only one video. It's a bit bare bones at the moment. It is. But it's going to develop a little more and uh, I can promise a, a lot of really, really fun content coming. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. But there are big things in the works, so keep your eyes out and ears. And as always, we release on the 13th of every month. So keep an eye out on that day of every month for a brand new episode of Boys and Ghouls. Sure. And if you just can't keep track of what day is the 13th, subscribe on, on iTunes. Yeah, you don't have to do the work. Yeah. So, good plugs. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thank you. And Kat? As always, beware the moon. Beware the care.